Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Good day, fungal associates. Welcome to Completely Arbitrary, the podcast about trees and other related topics. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Alex Croson. I'm another one of your hosts. My name is Casey Clapp. Good day to you, Alex. I see what you did there. Good day to you, Case. Yeah, we're talking about a tree from Southeast Asia today. Or down under, as I like to say. Is that offensive? Um, like to, to call Australia Southeast Asia? Yeah, like people sometimes uh, refer to Portland as South Seattle. Oh, and, uh, so, I'm sure it would make a certain <laughs> a certain group of people upset. Yeah, I'm sure. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> you ever like try to look at things that way, Alex? Like trying to imagine, I don't know. Like we've talked a little bit about like continents, and I've yeah. been like, I like I don't I don't like referring to seven continents because Europe is very Eurocentric. They're acting like they're their own continent when really they're just an extension of Asia. They're I don't even think you can say an extension. Like it's all just. Right, like you know, maybe like if there's an Ismith, you know, like that, like <laughs> a, a a peninsula, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. then you could say, yeah, that's a that's an extension of something. Sure, but, but this is just part of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, is I, I don't know, is the West Coast an extension of the East Coast? Right. So anyway, yeah, I guess what I'm asking is if you ever feel like you uh, you specifically go out of your way to miss misdescribe something because you think it's funny <laughs> yeah okay. or, or i'm making a point that i think uh you know the boundaries are silly uh, and arbitrary yeah 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 you know uh i feel that i feel honestly feel that way about uh the United States often. Oh God. Yeah. Um, the States of the United States. Like the South. You right. Know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I also think and this is a little related but mostly unrelated. Uh. Pride Maybe maybe we shouldn't even get into this because it's a whole different thing. Uh-oh. Let's go for it though. Why not? <laughs> this wasn't intended. Hi everybody, welcome to the show. I think pride in something that you can control is very silly. For instance, I choose to go to Yale. Okay. Yale, therefore, is the best Ivy League school. Oh. And I'm proud to go to Yale. I'm a Yale man through and through. Oh, okay, I think I see what you're saying. I could have easily have chosen to go to Harvard 
And then I would feel that way about Harvard. Ah, so then it just switches. Yeah. But, so in contrast, you're, you, you were born in Oregon here. Right. You, you would think that, yeah, that is a reasonable amount of pride. You're like, yeah, I'm proud of where I'm from, but you didn't necessarily get to choose where you're from. Well, yeah, I can choose where I live now. Yes. But I, I guess, no, I, I also have no pride in where I'm from. I, oh, have, I have no pride in anything that, <laughs> any external thing. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, so I guess it would be, so pride would come to you. And I, I we should make a note for all the biblical followers out there that we're talking about like the maybe positive pride not the like uh the seven deadly sins <laughs> pride here sins. You know? yeah so this is <laughs> next next week we're talking about lust <laughs> oh dude we should do that <laughs> casey just lit up like a christmas that's a great idea yeah. imagine seven episodes where we just talk about how trees have, you know hey. okay, okay alex all right sw- quick switch this is a tangent off a tangent yes we'll get back to the first one in a second okay but the you know recently people have been after uh, Peter, um, I think it should be like Volenbein's book, The Hidden Life of Plants. Uh-huh. He uh, like talking about, you know, the feelings and all the things like trees, trees communicate right. and they, you know, love and like that. He added all these dimensions to it. Very anthropomorphic. Yeah. And then there's another book that I read that's like what, what a tree knows and talks mm. about how, you know, can a tree see in like the five senses? So why don't we take that to like the opposite side? Like why, <laughs> why do we need to keep like treating trees as like these amazing things like the Postonia, for instance, we could be like, well, that tree's kind of an asshole. We, right. we could maybe do the seven deadly sins of trees and say, well, this is a lustful tree. Ah. Here's how we know. This is a uh, slothful yeah. tree. What is the most slothful tree? Yeah, it's just some tree in South America that's literally filled with sloths. <laughs> We'd be, we're being cheeky. Yeah, everyone, hey, hey, you know what? It's our choice. Uh, okay, all right. Anyway, that I is, think... That, is, that particular idea is some, is some quintessential, completely arbitrary low-hanging fruit, by <laughs> yeah, the way. it totally is. Yeah, that's exactly... That's all we need. Okay, but back... <laughs> back to this so so you would have pride in something that's like made from you like your music you have pride yeah, I, in your music exactly casey hmm. i i i am the master of my own domain when it comes to music my music right I nobody see. else can do this yeah right yeah, yeah, yeah. i have pride in pride it. in your work i have in pride in completely product. arbitrary yeah okay but uh you know i i went to the university of oregon yeah I don't give two shits about how their football team is doing. Yeah. Casey, you strike me as somebody who might be a little prideful, but really when you dig a little deeper, you're like, I I don't really care. Yeah, I think that's fair. Like the Timbers, uh, the soccer team here. Totally. Because I I also went to U of O and then Oregon State and then UMass and NC State. And like I went to a bunch of schools. There has to be a limit. There's got to be a limit. To the amount of places you can have pride in. (laughs) I think so. There there certainly should be. But then, so the, the, I, I, I hear you. I hear you here because... I have pride in the Timbers, but it's a, it's a, it was at one point I didn't care about soccer at all. Yeah. And I actually got into it because I was living in Seattle and it was like my, my home team from where I'm from and where I love. And like, I am very proud of Portland, even though, you know, it's not necessarily something that I can control where I'm mm-hmm. from, but I, I chose to live here because I like the ideals that they were working with sure. and the way the city's set up. But yeah, now I really got to think about it because I also do, I, I have pride where if everyone's like, hey, Casey, are you really upset? Like, does this, how deep does this go? And I could be like, yes, at some point, I don't care how the Timbers are doing. It's nice when they win, but I yeah. do, yeah. I mean, I, when I see the the Raiders super fans, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah. well, if you were born in Dallas, you'd be, Dallas. You'd be a Cowboy yeah. fan. You yeah, know what okay. I'm saying? Yeah. You would feel the same way about the Cowboys. That's a, this is a very interesting philosophical debate. I wonder like what that means to them, like if you really could dig in. Yeah. Mm. Well, I, I think it has something to do 
<laughs> this is maybe maybe I'm taking it too seriously or I'm extrapolating a little too hard. Hey, this is your platform. What uh, you know, uh, European Americans, we don't have a lot of culture. Oh. And I think regionalism uh-huh. and race is our like kind of low hanging fruit cultural identity really? things. Yeah. So I, see. I, I don't have a rich family history of cooking and uh religion so uh, yeah we are I'm, french and we've been doing it for the last 600 years kind right of thing. right see, or i'm mexican so i have like i have i have all this you know i don't have an ofrenda to work with you know or i didn't yeah. have a quinceanera or whatever so instead i get really into the cowboys and i uh am racist <laughs> <laughs> oh god yeah I, yeah <laughs> well you know yeah this is a sorry i chose texas as my go-to uh <laughs> My bad. We love the Texans. Sure. Okay, yeah. Well, I think this is very curious. I think there's a lot here, and I'm very, honestly, it makes me want to hear some other perspectives of people who do have intense pride like yeah, that. Yeah, of course, like, yeah. Well, I mean, because I don't think it's fair to just pass that off as well, because I think it's, it's fair to actually give someone, like, you are very prideful of that. Why Why? why is that? Yeah. Certain people, I'm sure, like me with Portland, I am very proud of this city, but also I'm, I'm not in some other ways. Of co- oh, yeah. There's plenty, there's plenty to be... Both proud of and not. Yeah. Um, also, I just want to say, this is my opinion. I know sometimes I say <laughs> right. my opinions as hey, if they're fact. Your cone is your own cone, Thank Alex. you. That's just, how I, that's just how I say things. Yeah, that's very fair. Um, hey, Casey. We're not talking about <laughs> the seven deadly sins this week. We may have tricked you because we spent eight minutes talking about it. What if, yeah, we should do some Inception, though, Alex. Uh, just oh. real quick. Uh-huh. And do a, a series within a series. Wow. And make each series like exponentially longer than the series before it. Oh my God. Yeah. Like parentheses inside parentheses. Yes. Just like, like the movie Inception, right? Like yeah, you go yeah. deeper into the dream and all of a sudden like time slows down in the, in the last place you left. What is the real podcast anymore? Yeah. Oh, meta. <laughs> well, today on this podcast, this is the real podcast you're listening to right now. The top <gasps> continues to spin and we are talking Jera from the land down under Casey, a, a fascinating tree, as far as I know, like like most plants from Australia, and we have a lot to say about it. After the break, we will be right back with Completely Arbitrary. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary. Today we are going down under once again and talking the Jara or Jara. Um, 
scientific name, Casey? The scientific name is Eucalyptus marginata. It's a eucalyptus, huh? It is a eucalyptus. I, you shouldn't be surprised by now, anyone in the world. Yeah. Every time you talk about, it's like the Douglas fir over here. The the quintessential thing is you you you're on the the west side of the Cascades and you point at a, a needle leaf tree. And you just say that's a Douglas fir, like sixty percent right. of the time you're going to be right. Think if you go down to Australia and you point at a tree and you say that's a eucalyptus of some kind, you're probably going to be right. Well, see, I am glad that we we. I feel like we've been talking a lot about a lot of Australian trees lately, and yeah. I I hope that everybody likes it. Um, but I am glad that we don't just whenever we talk about an Australian tree, it's uh-huh. not always a eucalyptus. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, we've talked about Bulbanksia. We've in talked about Wollamai pine. Wollamai, that's yep. right. And and then also another eucalyptus. We had uh, the eucalyptus regnans, I believe. Right. Well, Casey, today is Jara, and let's imagine as we do every episode that you and I are. Uh, how about this? We're walking through the aisles of an Australian grocery store, and I go, oh, "Wow, a Jara!" And you say, "Alex, that's a box of instant hot chocolate, you fool." <laughs> And I say, oh, right. Sorry, I got confused because they're called the same thing. Jara? Yes, Casey. What? What? Jara is a brand of Australian instant drinks. Oh, my God. I think you told me this when we initially talked about this. this is genuine surprise. I was genuinely surprised. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? That's right. Yeah. Jara makes like hot chocolate and apple cider and stuff. The little packet that you unzip and you put into hot water. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that blew me away just then. I'm sorry. I forgot. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) Casey. Uh, well, uh, of course I, I, in this hypothetical, I see the box and you say, Alex, you fool. Well, let's, let's go out back. We go into the uh, back of the grocery store Yeah, and there's some jars growing in the parking lot, maybe. There you go. <laughs> and, uh, Casey, let's ID this tree. Mate. Let's do it. All right, mate. So here's how it goes. The eucalyptus marginata is a big forest tree. Mm. It is it's a tree that I think I think what we should actually do is not talk about this in terms of where we could be walking today, but rather where we would have been walking 200 years ago. Oh, okay. Because that I think will give a better a better example. Oh, that's that's a bad sign. Yeah, I'm sorry that that might give a little bit of this away. Yeah. So the Jara is a a big big forest tree up to like 130 feet tall sometimes. Oh, wow. And it usually gets uh, like upwards of six feet in diameter. Like it's, it's one of those uh, those eucalyptus where whenever you see one, you're like, that is a tree. Yeah, It's not a kind of small wispy one. Some of uh, other species grow down in California and they get massive. This is one of those big, massive, massive trees. Okay. Now it grows um, generally, I think one of the biggest ones in diameter is like 11, 12 feet. Like they can get pretty like like comparably large to what a douglas fir or a big conifer over here mm-hmm. would get um they don't get quite as tall of course and they you know kind of fall apart because they have a different form and habit they are unlike a douglas fir or another conifer with that straight stem the branches that come out i know this one yeah what they, is it they have kind of a y shape to them yeah they open up at the top you know we call that a decurrent canopy as opposed okay. to an x current canopy so the main stem kind of turns into two slightly more minor stems Uh, yeah but only way up 
Uh, this oh, is still okay. a single stem tree, so it still grows single stem. But then once it gets to the like kind of the forest height, it starts to top out near that 100, 130, 20 feet in mm-hmm. there. Then the branches start to kind of catch up, and the middle branch or the middle main stem grows just a little bit slower, and the branches on the side kind of start to catch up. You know, I got gotcha. so that's how it develops this kind of flatter top, okay. so to speak. Uh, does it still have gro- like limbs growing on the yeah. sides all the way down? It does, but this is a forest tree that grows in a drier habitat, a very okay. unique kind of dry habitat over in Western Australia. Mm. Um, they call it the Darling Plateau. Oh, which yes. I just love. Like, it just makes me so happy. This is where the Banksia grew, no? Uh, yeah, I believe so, yeah. But the Banksia kind of also grows a little bit further down um, a little bit. Banksia's okay. habitat is a little bit um, larger, whereas the Jara grows at higher elevations where there's enough water and kind of down on, on the coastal plain area where you get a little bit more water kind of overall but in general it's a dry habitat area okay same exact kind of range they're neighbors they're neighbors this is like uh, you're australian i know an australian are you guys neighbors yeah (laughs) i was like uh no do you know john in this case they're like i do know john (laughs) yeah john's my next door neighbor how did you guess <laughs> you know, I, I, that happens to me, Alex, all the time. So mm. does that like, oh, what do you mask? Do you know this person? And never once has that actually ever happened. Of course. But I still do it. And there's a, a part in my brain that I feel like it did happen once, but I also think I'm making that up. Oh, you just want it so bad. I just want it so bad. That would be a fun moment, certainly. Yeah. yeah. Do you know Jessica? Jessica uh, James? Yeah, I do. Yeah, oh my God. <laughs> Alex, this tree, uh, though it does get big, mm-hmm. it also stays small. And it grows mm-hmm. in a really curious way because it has what's called a lignotuber. Wow. Yeah. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. What is it? It's a big swelling growth at the base of a tree, kind of where the oh. the main stem above ground hits the uh, hits the ground and transitions to roots. It has this giant kind of bulbous kind of kind of just swelling at the base. Wow. And the purpose of that is that if um, if fire comes through and kills the what uh, I, I was writing this down and I laughed to myself when when the fire comes through because this is a drier habitat and fires were set by the indigenous aboriginals of Australia since time immemorial. So fires and the people and the trees and the plants have all developed together very mm-hmm. much similar to the United States and yeah, yeah. North America at large. So this tree grew and developed this really interesting tuber. I see. So fire comes through, kills what we think is the tree. The tree is just the above ground portion, and it regrows again from this big tuber. Wow. And sometimes they develop this uh, this form called a, I think the pronounce, or pronunciation is Mali or Mali, and huh. it's, it's spelled M-A-L-L-E-E. And it's essentially a a shrubby form where there's a bunch of stems that all pop up from Ye- from a tree. Okay. And a lot of different eucalypts uh, have this same kind of growth, but they don't get more than like ten feet tall. Hmm. They just have like this kind of like oh well we're just gonna go meh, and just pop up and become shrubs. Yeah, I'm sort of imagining like bamboo growth. Yeah, or it's just kind of like. Yeah, and then like from an underground kind of tube, kind of like a root coming up, it, it regrows, you know? Okay. Yeah, it's kind of like that, but not quite as robust. Like bamboo, there's like thousands of them, right? Like right. It's, a, it's a grass in all intents and purposes. Right. This as a tree, it kind of grows more like a, um, a hazel maybe, or mm. another thing that's like a shrub 
tree, not tree shrub. Hawthorny kind of? Yeah, a little bit like that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But the big specialty is that lignotuber. Got it. Interesting. What a fun little characteristic. Isn't it? Like, I, I never really thought about it. I, yeah. know, I mean, uh, uh, several trees around our area have it too. Like mm-hmm. redwoods kind of do this. Okay. But not so specifically. Yeah. Like, it, it kind of like will develop one because that's kind of how it does it every now and then yeah. sometimes burls develop at the base of a tree you know it's like the same thing aspens kind of do but there are certain trees that develop it explicitly as a part of their habit all the time others they just kind of happens and develops and now the tree's just doing that thing interesting i don't know why i know this or why i think this but it does seem very australian to me like <laughs> from a botany perspective it you know is. like yeah, it's totally. so specific and weird yeah and so many of these plants have have something <laughs> like that i think i mean it, for those of you who are in australia listening to this um in the united states at least uh it's a colloquialism to say Everything on Australia is trying to kill you. Right. So I, I think that makes sense because Australia is just this such a strange, um, strange place in terms of how the ecosystem has developed. Mm-hmm. Like not strange is not the right word. I take that back. Scratch from the record. Alex? Can I suggest a different word? Yes. It's so specific. And unique. Yeah. yeah. That, that's yeah. what I was going to say. Like it's just, it, it's had the time. I agree with you. It does. It's a quintessential Australian oddity. That's yeah. it's so purely delightful. Well, Casey, let's talk. Uh, let's talk bark. Yeah. So another fun term. Honestly, I had so much fun learning about this tree. Wow. It has a type of bark that is both a type and a description. It's called stringy bark. Stringy bark. Yeah. And it's not. It's not like saying, "Oh, your bark is stringy." It's you have the attribute that is stringy, stringy bark. bark. Okay. Yeah. How it's, is this defined? A kind of eucalyptus species. It's very specific and it has bark that's very fibrous, but like will rip off in huge, big kind mm. of, uh, kind of fibrous slabs. Like it's, it's a strange idea that I've never really run across. We don't have trees that really have this, like maybe a redwood would be the best example. Right. I was thinking like Western red cedar, but not really. Yeah, but this is this is like even more because they it's like the the stringiness to them like I think you can almost grab them and like just go mm. and just kind of pull them off. I'm imagining string cheese case. Yeah, a string cheese, but like oh, I'm looking at a picture and like it, it's also kind of a a fire adaptation because mm. um, as the fire comes through and it burns the outside, the string kind of like pops back and like kind of uh you know you ever burn like a very thin piece of wood and it kind of curls yeah this does it's a similar kind of process okay so it kind of just burns everything away and doesn't really affect it too much of course again this is a fire adapted tree so it's kind of like string cheese but like burnt ass string cheese (laughs) (laughs) fucking melted yeah it's pretty gross well, that sounds interesting case yeah it is it's a it's one of those fun things right it's got that's two for two alex are you okay Oh, while he was pulling up his fingers to say two, he whipped his finger on uh, on the mm. the mic stand. Yeah. You could hear it from here. Right on my fingernail. I hope you're okay. I'm okay. So uh, this tree, Alex, they yeah. describe as a stringy bark, which is fun. Oh, you get I it now? see. Yeah. So this is, um, stringy bark. according to the Wikipedia, because you know what? I could not find um, a very good, like, 
easily read description of this tree, like uh, the botanic sense of it. Okay. So um, I'm sure there are, but many of them were just not very, they just didn't look very good. And sure. It wasn't very clear. So this is probably one of the only times that Wikipedia has been the best at describing this tree. Sweet. And so it is a, they describe it as a stringy bark with rough grayish brown, vertically grooved fibrous bark that sheds in long strips. Okay. So. It's a, it's a pretty cool tree. Casey, let's uh, let's talk leaves. Leaves are the standard uh, beautiful eucalyptus leaf. Lanceolate. Yep. Has a big middle vein that's very like, you know, pronounced. Yeah. And the scientific name marginata is because it has two veins that run right along the margin oh, of interesting. it on the outside. It's a little bit curved, kind of darker green on top, lighter green below. Mm-hmm. And like just your, your very quintessential kind of sickle shaped leaf that's pointed at the tip. So if, if veins are for transportation of fluids. Yeah. I just winked at Casey. Yeah, I did. I'm like, why? Why did he wink at me? <laughs> just the word transportation of fluids. Oh, that's I just, I was like, I just want to say this. <laughs> yes, a vein is for transportations of fluid. Why, Alex? <laughs> Casey winked at me. <laughs> why would they put? Why would they? They being the, the Jarrah trees, evolutionary yeah. uh, masters, put veins on the out side as opposed to like veins that does it also oh, have yeah, veins yeah, yeah. that kind of come out from the middle there are, vein? yeah there are lateral veins okay. that kind of go between them so they like just put the, in like an expressway on the outside yeah exactly there's like the the road that goes right down the middle then there's the belt line kind of thing yes yes right exactly that's okay. what i think the best way to describe it interesting and uh and then of course the best part about this tree for a lot of things especially bees and the people because they have the honey afterwards oh. is the flower it blooms every two years. Oh, wow. I That was very surprising to me. I've never seen this in like such a... They said, yeah, one, two, one, two. Wow. Okay, interesting. Yeah. So they uh, they have like very fragrant, um, described as starburst flowers, mm. and they just pop open, and they have almost uh, almost a spherical fruit at the end that's kind of a, a little bit of a kind of a black capsule-looking thing. Okay. Any... any uh any deliciousness found no, in that? I don't think so. It just okay. has seeds. They fall, and then the no tree grows. Utility fruit? Yeah, utility fruit, but the flowers, the bark, the form, it's all stunning. Okay. Now, the real thing, Alex, is all below this. The thing that really uh, wow. makes it, um, that really tells you who this tree is, according to at least most of the people who came with saws, who are British, it's what's underneath that counts. And that's Interesting, the wood, Alex. Oh, I, I was like the roots. Oh God, you're talking <laughs> like metaphysically, laterally underneath. Yes, literally quite, <laughs> quite underneath the bark and the flowers and the form and all that. Okay, yes, Casey, it's the, the wood, the wood. Well, what can you tell us about this wood? Oh, so so I am I'm taking a lot from um, a bunch of different things, but one of the things the the book that really made me be like, oh, I got to look further into this. It's called Around the World in Eighty Trees, and yes. um, either my mom or my sister got this for me uh, a couple years ago for Christmas. Hmm. I can't remember who, they both gave me a bunch of books, but I I can't remember which came from what. I got you. So they both get credit. Shout out to mom and sis. Yeah. Love you guys. Um, It's by Jonathan Drory in illustrations by Lucille Clerk, and we'll post it on the website. But they have such a delightful uh, discussion where they go from, uh, they start in England where they're from and they go uh, around the world and they discuss 80 different trees across the, all the continents and kind wow. of some really interesting story. Like it's kind of like the, the podcast for books. 
Like, uh, it's really good. That's fantastic. Yeah. So if I could, I would be like, will you guys come be producers on this show <laughs> and do all the work for me? That'd be great. <laughs> so this is uh, their Western Australia entry. And okay. they describe the wood as like this really intense, dark red kind of color. And it's hmm. it's just hard as a rock. Wow. I mean... W- do we have Jenka for the Jera we, on the books? We don't have the Jenka, actually. I should have looked that up, but I, I didn't. I looked up the, the average dried weight. Well, Casey, I'm I'm going to look up the Jenka while you talk about the average dried I'll weight. I'll give you a little bit of that. The average dried weight for the Jara is 52 pounds per cubic foot. So if I have a 12 by 12 by 12 inch cube of Jara wood. Yes, it weighs 52 pounds. Yes. While dried to, I think, 12% um, moisture. And dry should be lighter than fresh. Fresh, it's double that. What the fuck? Yeah. Now, for some comparison, who knows? Like, it's just, it's decay resistant. It's water resistant, wind resistant, insect resistant. Like, termites don't get into it. It's, It's this tree that has this wood that is, like just almost impossible to destroy that's amazing so why are loggers so into it well isn't that the thing uh just real quick before we move too far i want to make sure that this is in some kind of context western red cedar a tree that's also extremely decay resistant and very uh it's it's not tough it's not very dense wood Mm -hmm. it is at 23 pounds and wow douglas fir is at 32 pounds per cubic foot okay so it's not it's not like astronomical, but it is very heavy. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. then the the red oak is 45. Lignum vitae is 78.5. So there's a huge range. Wow. But it's definitely on the harder, heavier side of this. That's that's wild. Did you find a Jenka hardness? Casey, the Jenka hardness for the Jera, the Jera Jenka is 1,860 pound force. Wow. Like, I think I, I know that a thousand is very high because like yeah. some of the things we we looked at, I think like the Linden was like 45 or something like that. Oh, geez. So like, I think that's off the charts. This is a heavy, hard wood. And the reason I know that that is like definitely for sure and off the charts mm-hmm. is because the reason, like you asked, that loggers were interested in it is because they were selling these trees not only for use in places like harbors and like to you know do pilings in water because it just would never decay sure or to build boats with because again it would never decay yeah really strong wood um they would use it for houses and building material and like you name it for like the normal kind of like oh yeah that's what you use wood for they would also fetch a very fine price for it in european cities to literally pave roads with wow alex can you imagine a road in a modern city paved with only wood it'd be kind of pretty it would it would be gorgeous right you can imagine yeah apparently they used to do this in like swanky places like london and berlin moscow like Mm -hmm. they had um according to the book i think something like 20 to 30 kilometers in london of the nicest, fanciest roads before kind of macadam was there, before you could actually pave it with, you know, asphalt. They would put concrete underneath and then put wood on top. And then sometimes they would put asphalt over the top again oh. just to like make a, a good base layer. 
Oh, I don't really know why. To cover up the wood grain. I guess so. They weren't looking at the wood grain to be like pretty. The wood grain was just a really hard way to pave a road uh-huh. that was better than their alternative, which was either a softer, more porous wood, which I learned from this book, which I, I just am so tickled about. <laughs> Uh, everywhere used horses back then. Yeah. So they would, the horses would just pee on the street. And then apparently if you use like a certain kind of wood that would get absorbed into it. So your whole, your whole road would just smell like urine. Oh Lord. And then if you had like a big heavy cart roll over it, it would actually squeeze and compress the wood and shoot urine off onto people. (laughs) Oh my God. <laughs> Could you imagine that? This is a terrible idea. Yeah, and it's in their swankiest things. Imagine yeah, going right. down like, you know, Fifth Avenue or whatever. Think of the fanciest, nicest street neighborhood shopping place in your area. Yeah. And to make it really gussied up, you you pave it with wood <laughs> that then just smells like nothing but urine that squirts at you every time a horse goes by with a keg of beer on it. God, that's <laughs> terrible. Isn't that just like I just could you imagine that, Alex? That's like, so wildly <laughs> short-sighted, too. And we've talked about some really short-sighted solutions yeah, here right? on this podcast. So this was the answer to that short-sightedness. Mm. They would also pave with like cobblestones and things, but that was really hard on like the hooves of sure. the animals, and it didn't absorb anything. So like it would always run off. Like there are problems with it. It's also very slick, you know. Yeah. So this, this is pre-asphalt. Yes, this is pre-asphalt by quite a ways. Yeah, this is like in the 1850s oh, kind of okay, thing. Yeah. yeah, this is this is basically the next level up from dirt. So our tree, um, again, I is growing in a dry habitat. Mm-hmm. Not only is it growing in a dry habitat, but that dry habitat is um, is really unique and beautiful because, again, Australia is just a unique and beautiful place. Yeah. But because of this dry habitat where these huge trees would grow and they would live for easily 400 years, up to 600 sometimes. Wow. And they were the keystone of this entire habitat where they would get really large and have enough space that animals would live inside of them. And they, they were this really intense habitat habitat. They are also very integral for the culture of the Nyungar people hmm. that live there because they live within these forests. And the thing about these forests is, uh, Alex, have you ever like really dove into marsupials? You know what? I haven't, but I could easily see myself doing so. Do marsupials that, are wild. Do yourself that favor okay. sometime. Okay. It's a delight. Well, what have you found uh, marsupial style about the Jera? They have the cutest <laughs> names. Uh, they have names like the Numbat and Poturu, Quo, mm-hmm. Quenda. These are animals that live in Jara? Yes. Yeah, okay. yeah. And, or they live in Jara forests, oh, okay. uh, more particularly. And um, I could name a bunch. Again, those are from this book, World in, uh, Around the World in 80 Trees. Yeah. And they, they are a, they're a unique kind of mammal. Again, they developed on Australia in such a unique situation. And they kind of filled in all the niches that other mammals across the world filled in their respective habitats. Mm. But they're also just like adorable little like mousy looking things sometimes. Yeah. Like little wombats. Like they're just... They're just super cute. Koalas are very, very cutesy little, yeah. little guys. <laughs> so this, this is like filled with this, you know, special habitat, yeah. right? With these special animals and, you know, people that have lived there for, you know, 50,000 plus years. And then people show up from around the world and they find this tree that's growing here that has this amazing quality. 
this amazing quality is sought after. Okay. And they started exporting it to all these European cities. It's just a bad sign, you it, know? Uh, like, it is, right? Anytime we talk about something in nature being like, it grabs the attention of humans. It's like, yeah. well, that it's gone now. Gone now. Like you're, you have no idea what to do. So they, they started cutting this. And this is where logging kind of um, takes a bit of a departure. So in the hmm. Pacific Northwest, if you industrially log something, um, we have so much rain that our our habitats will often, at least certainly on the west side, if you give it time, it will it will rebound and it will turn turn on again. Yeah, and you'll have big trees. You know, you have to give it eight hundred years maybe to have the complexity that it had before, but it'll get there and it won't be uh, like. Yeah, you give it a hundred years, you get big trees again, and everything kind of looks like it's back to normal, or at least well on its way. Yeah. In this habitat, you had a bunch of things that were going a little bit wrong. If you destroyed the lignotuber, then the the plant just wouldn't respond. Mm. So in way back when, they would cut this tree because it was worth so much money, but because there were all these kind of competitors, the prices were lowered, so they would cut the trees and sell them at a lower and lower price. So the economics drove again like our last discussion Mm -hmm. they drove this forestry and that just ended up destroying the habitat Mm. not to mention if you do cut the tree then it's as if there's a fire some big damage to the top so it sprouts up in these lignotuber kind of mollies right yeah so all of a sudden you don't get this you know other big gigantic grand tree maybe in time it will develop and you'll get that you know one single stem will take dominance and then you'll have this you know new tree that comes around but you maybe for the most part just get a bunch of shrub land now yeah exactly and so you start to affect the soil as well. Mm. The roots, I should have noted, Alex. Oh, mm. my God. Oh, my these, gosh. These roots go down almost 100 feet. What? Yes. This is their dry habitat kind oh, of because, response. Right. This is another desert kind of plant thing. Well, Casey's saying because the soil in that is so dry, usually... I, I won't say usually. I'll, I'm, when I say usually, I mean a Pacific Northwest tree because that's where I live here. And I well, have great pride. <laughs> <laughs> like a Douglas fir root system doesn't go down more than two or three feet, but yeah. it goes out a really long way. It doesn't need to go down because it has all the water it needs. Precisely. On, at, basically at the surface. This Jera growing in the dry... Uh, darling what, range. The dar- This darling little mountain range. It's very dry up there, so it has to just keep pushing and pushing and pushing down and down and down and down and down until it finds water. Yeah. That's wild. Isn't it incredible? 100 feet. Exactly. Never heard of something like that. Neither have I. And I know a lot of people talk about this. Like Oregon White Oak has another um, thing down in, I think, Southern Oregon where they found roots growing in a cavern that came from a... Oregon white oak growing, you know, 80 feet above. Oh my God. So it's like, well, it's just following this little trickle of water down, you know, between the cracks and the rocks. Incredible. So in this case, um, I don't know what all the rest of the geology is, except for it has something called bauxite or buxite. Buxite. Yes. So this is the other part of this is that the logging came through to initially um, take this high value tree and they cut almost all all of it, like yeah. a stunning amount. But because they cut it and it's such a um, kind of a slow moving and a slow to respond habitat, the more that you kind of throw it off and out of balance, the more likely it is to never come back and never respond. So it's like if you go down to the deserts of 
of the Southwest Mm -hmm. and you cut a bunch of cactus that are huge, great. They might come back over time, but you have to give it hundreds of years. Like it it takes what one of those saguaros to get to get up to the point where it puts out one limb. It's like 80 years or something. Wow. Like it's a crazy amount of time. So when you see a big one, you have to be like, oh, a big one is like an old one. Yeah. So the same thing happens in this forest. Okay. So if you take the industrial Uh. kind of ideas of the Pacific Northwest where there's plenty of water in most of these places, the trees come back pretty quickly and the forest rehabs itself pretty Mm -hmm. quick. You go over down to a place where the it doesn't have that resilience, then all of a sudden when a disturbance comes through, you're like, oh my gosh, this is not coming back. Yeah. That's kind of where it's at with the Jara. However, Alex, the minerals that are beneath the Jara mm-hmm. are even more valuable today than the tree's wood is. Okay, what minerals are we talking? Well, buxite or bauxite. It's B A U X I T E. Okay, B A U. Yeah, so it could be bauxite, bauxite, bauxite. I don't know. Bauxite. I don't even want to give it the time of day. It's tin, is what it is. Oh, it's just tin. It makes yeah. It is filled with tin. uh, Rather. Aluminum and gallium are the things that that uh, usually has. This is like uh, this is like Buxite takes off his mask and everybody's like, Tin! Oh, tin, get out of here. It's just tin. Yeah, so I guess I shouldn't say this because we're talking about uh, an actual element and tin is a different element than aluminum. Okay. But a tin can and an aluminum can is like oh, yeah. the same thing. Synonymous, yeah. Yeah, fully. so this is technically aluminum and gallium. If you're in Australia or uh, England, aluminium. Sorry, right. just in case you guys, I, I know it's lost in translation. <laughs> okay, so so what about this uh, bauxite? They're mining it like crazy. Oh, jeez. And uh, Alcoa and another um, another company down there mm-hmm. have a lot of mining rights. And the, the government, way back when, they put in some practices to kind of say, whoa, we need to make this more sustainable. And yeah. like, be able to regrow these trees. And there's certain places where they have developed more of a plantation style. Okay. But the, the government has not continued to really protect these trees in this area because mining interests have been like, we're going to clear this, clear the forest because we want to take the minerals that are underneath the forest. I see. They've lost so much that I'm not even sure that you can go find like really like, like in the Pacific Northwest, we did the same thing. We cut so many of our trees, uh, in the Midwest, in the East, we've cut so many of the Eastern white pines. Right. Go listen to last week's episode for more on that travesty. But we, they're growing back and you can still find some places where there's like acres and acres, hectares and hectares, like a lot of land with these big ancient trees still protected in national parks and places. Same principle, same logging principles applied to these Jera forests. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> we're, st- okay, we're, we're, they're supposed to grow back. <laughs> and they, uh-huh. they, they either haven't or they've been cut and either replaced with another fun tree called the Monterey pine. Oh, yeah, I know Monterey pine. Yeah, a lot of people do. It's an invasive forest tree. And that is, uh, not to give too much away, our next conversation. <laughs> wow. 
But that is the, 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 what they've done is they basically cut down all and take all the value off the land, <laughs> mine it sometimes. But if they don't mine it, then often it gets planted back with this other forest commodity tree that is used for timber growing, but in a very much plantation style. Okay. So Jeez. the forest is completely gone and changed. So all these adorable animals in this area, which mm. is filled, like they call it a, a, a biodiversity hotspot. And Alex, I swear to God, I am finding that biodiversity hotspots are everywhere. Hmm. Like all we're doing is looking harder and we find like that every ecosystem is unique and filled with life, even though it looks like it's not on the surface. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is another example where you you can find it everywhere, especially in dry places where everything's so particularly developed. Yeah. Um, This is that same kind of, kind of thing. So I'm not sure that you can go find a gigantic, huge area of, um, Jara forest. Really? Like you can find a few groves, you can find a few places where it's been growing back, but not, not really. I don't think, uh, I have not found anything and someone please tell us where someone can find it because we'll post it and say, go find these Jaras. They're gorgeous. Yeah. But there's just, wow. Yeah. There's very few. There's, there's one called the, um, the looming relic. Which is really such I a, know of this tree. You do? Yes. Oh, my God. Well, I did a little, you know. Yeah, look at you, Alex. Did a little Googling. What do you think of it? I think that it is, you know, you know, we have these, we have these redwoods that are named mm. down in the, in the redwood forests. General Sherman. Or is that a, is that a, is That's that a, a sequoia? giant sequoia. Okay, yeah. yeah. But there's a. Um, oh, see, here's me yeah. making the same. I always do uh, this. Hyperion. Anyway. Sure. Which is a fine name. It's pretty cool. It's very militaristic. Yeah, okay. Hyperion. It's the name of the ship from Star uh, Starcraft. Oh, is it really? Yeah, oh Hyperion is like a battle cruiser. Oh, shoot. I had no idea. Yeah. But the looming relic, though, is far more D&D. Yeah. And I'm big time on board with the looming relic. Oh, my God. It's the looming relic. <laughs> Watch out. It's what, you, it's what you find at the very end of your adventure. Oh, my God. We found the loom. It's what the adventure's named after. You know what yes. I mean? Yeah, yeah, Indiana yeah. Jones and the looming relic. Oh, dude. Now we're talking. That's so good. That's, I'll give you that one for free, Spielberg. Oh, my God. Yeah, take it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so this is just a very big old Jara, yeah. Jara, Jara, who that hasn't been, thank God, hasn't been fucked up. Yeah, and there's a few others. Like, I, I read about a place called Lane Pool Reserve that has some, and, yeah. and I, there are some. I've heard about, you know, spectacular places out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, this is, a, this is a tree that logging um, came through, and I'll, I admit this was at a different time, you know, in, in a different level of how we understood things. Sure. But my God, capitalism has not changed that much. Yeah. So I cannot imagine unless we had something like... I don't know if we stumbled upon some island that we had no idea about that had this wildly incredible tree. Mm-hmm. I bet you today we would be able to protect it because science would be like, no, we must study this. We want to know everything about it. But like I capitalism would still be like, well, we can cut some of those. Right. right? Uh, let, let, scientifically speaking, let's cut down 3000 of these trees and see what they're all about. Right. And so, I mean, there. Yeah, I think, I think the only difference between then and now is now that there are like, more loopholes you have to go through to cut them all. Yeah, right. It's, it's back the, then it was yeah. just like, yeah, let's cut them. Let's just do it. Yeah, just move in and take it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know who cares about the people and the animals and the things that have been there for you know 
yeah. how who like it's so long that it doesn't even matter to say like so long that they are the same thing yeah. their cultures are one and the, the culture of the jar is the culture of the people is the culture of the animals and all the other plants that are there and the lives the lives of all these things are are the same essentially too everything is connected and yeah. then something comes through that is the industrial practice of logging but back then same thing and you're just like wow like the response of uh of the same kind of idea over a different playing field yeah the it's just so vastly different yeah it's pretty tragic i mean i I, like we said they they if we knew more then it might have been different yeah but to cut all that down and then realize probably much later that oh these trees were like so spe- specified to their their environment that now it's like well you're gonna have to give us 800 years to catch back up yeah um it's pretty sad Casey it is it's pretty sad this uh this unfortunately I mean we're talking about logging I I'm sorry to say there's probably not a lot of oh uh, you know really happy yeah. stories here yeah, yeah, yeah. but this is this is probably um yeah this is one of the one of the rough ones that I remember reading about and yeah. I was reading through this book and I was like well that sounds like a fascinating tree and then you know of course you dig deeper and uh, you know you hear a lot and there's a couple of uh, resources that I've put on on our website. Oh yeah, that if, have talked about the biodiversity of this area and kind of what the government is doing. Because I, I don't want to disparage the Australian government; they are making steps, very good steps. But the mining interest is is really, really taking a toll. It sounds like yeah. So I'm, that's a, a local issue that you know everyone needs to really work on. But a report came out. Um, it's called a thousand cuts in uh, 2020, hmm. and they've still been losing like a wild amount of forest between 2010 and 2020. Like uh, uh, the rate is still accelerating of deforestation. Yeah, even in the last 10 years in Australia. Yeah, yeah, of this specific kind of area. So oh my gosh. there's strides to be made, but man, if you're if you're down there in Australia, definitely keep the pressure on yeah because this is these trees though i'm sure there's plenty that are growing around that are you know 100 years old 80 60 it sounds like this ecosystem is like on the verge of literally collapsing or transitioning to a completely different ecosystem which is wild to think of and then being so fragile and i don't know if i want to say fragile what's the word i'm looking for maybe like so specialized yeah it's like kind of it's kind of like it gives me a little anxiety to think about them cutting all them down you know yeah Yeah, totally Um, because they they're effectively not coming back effectively yeah not certainly in our lifetimes the children the lifetimes of our children or their children right collectively maybe if we stop now well, let's do it, Casey. Let's stop now. We we got to send this episode to the Australian government and see if we can see if we have any poll. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Please, uh, if anyone knows uh, the Prime Minister of Australia, <laughs> connect us on Instagram yeah. or something. Or if or if anybody knows like their name or anything, I, I'll, I'll start there because I'm not sure. <laughs> well, Casey, uh, that was our discussion of the Jera. Uh, you know, another tragic tale, but logging and and these things often are, but. The Jarrah's story is not over. No, no, no. It deserves a Golden Cone score. And we will give it that after the break. We'll be right back with more Completely Arbitrary. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting. But Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras. And Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past. 
And the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary. Today, we talked Jera, and now we will give it a cone review. Here's how it works. We're going to give some final thoughts on this beautiful tree. I don't want to load my review, but uh, okay, yeah. I don't think that's that inflammatory. Yeah, I don't think so. No one's gonna. I don't. I don't think anyone's gonna fly off the the rails. Yeah, being like, whoa, whoa, Alex. What is that called in a court when you uh, leading the witness? Oh, yeah, like leading the review a little <laughs> yeah. bit by calling it a beautiful tree. <laughs> Objection! <laughs> you can't tell me what you're gonna say before you say it, <laughs> Judge. You're just gonna let this happen. Overruled. Jesus, what is this? A kangaroo court? Oh, oh. Oh, wait. Oh, it is. Oh, my God. <laughs> Damn it. The judge is a literal kangaroo. <laughs> That's how they do things down on her case. I'm going to give some final thoughts on this tree, then give it a rating of 0 to 10. Golden Cones of Honor. Casey, as our resident expert, we Thank will you. begin with you. It's very sweet. Okay, so this is, this is a, an interesting tree for me. Like, I, I think I feel the similar way that you do, like, in terms of my heart. Like, mm. I, like I almost have, like, a tragic love for this tree. Totally. Though I've never seen one in real life. And, of course, I want to. I'm constantly angling about how I can get you to decide that we should pay for a trip to Australia. I, I would love this. Oh, I didn't even know I had to convince you more than, less than that? You what? just had to bring it up. Damn it. So, yeah, I, I don't know. So, this is... um. Like it's such a a unique tree, and I I have to say I'm sorry everyone down there. There are so many eucalyptus trees that yeah. I'm just like, ugh, another eucalyptus. Okay, I get it. Yeah, you sure. guys got a thousand. I see. I do the same thing sometimes with like eastern broadleaf forests. Like, oh, it's another oak tree. Cool, whatever. It's it's just mm. it's just another oak tree. But there are some that are uniquely like outstanding for some reason. Now I'm not saying that this is one of those trees. I'm just saying they they exist. Well, then now is your time to say it if you now feel that time. way. So I kind of feel like this is one of those outstanding trees. Yeah. The tree itself in the wood is like beyond stunning. Like it's this dark kind of reddish maroon color. Like it's it just looks like something that's out of this world. Like, you know, you think it's like, oh, okay, that's, that's kind of cool. But then you're kind of like, oh my God, that's like really cool. Like I want to yeah. see that in something. And... I also just dig the 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 whole entire um, keystoneness of this tree. For like, sure, I think it's a really interesting tree. Although the interesting thing is, it's not a keystone that I can tell because of like its interactions necessarily. Other than like it just has created the conditions of this forest system that then creates the conditions for all this other stuff to go on. I see. It's like yeah. the backbone of the forest. Yes. Not not like uh not like an integral living like 
member of the community. It's is a that, weird. It's a weird dis- dis- distinction yeah, we're trying to make. I don't even think I did a fair job of it. In I fact, also, I think I'll yeah. probably edit that out. No, you know what? I'll leave it in to show how yeah, difficult it is. All right. Yeah. So I guess all this to say is yes. that I think this tree is like. Um, beyond interesting, but in kind of a unique way. Uh, okay, so if I'm just going to say like plant it or don't plant it, like yeah. overplanted, this is underplanted. We should be there. Should be a lot more of these, and I believe you totally. can buy them and just plant them wherever. There so I'm go. sure someone is going to be like, oh, trust me, there's trees everywhere. Yeah, just not in the old-fashioned way, like Douglas fir, dime a dozen, but the big ones are like what? That's funny, calling a, tr- a forest tree the old-fashioned way, yeah, yeah. as opposed yeah. to city trees. Yeah, exactly, the yeah. newfangled. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd say. For a, for an old-fashioned and a newfangled tree, I want to give this an 8.1. Fantastic like, score. Straight, straight up an amazing, an amazing tree. Is yeah. it the tallest tree in the world? No. But it should be planted more. It should not be cut down. I think if it's over two feet in diameter, leave it alone from now on. And, and just work really hard to redevelop this and kind of, I don't know, right the wrongs of history yeah. with not only the culture of the people that used to be there, that, you know... Uh, a lot of the way that that works in our modern age is, is somewhat like, well, that ship has sailed. We just have to, we just have to figure out how to move on from here. But I think that there is a lot of work that we can do to repair these things. So that's what I really want to see because it's not only the people, it's not only the trees, it's the animals and everything that we can't just go in and destroy an ecosystem uh, and then say, oh, sorry, we didn't know. <laughs> we can't do that anymore. Totally, Casey. Yeah, so that's where I'm at. Very good, Case. 8.1, 8.1. 8.1, Banks of Cones of Honor. That's right. Oh, wow. I'm oh, just saying. You just threw that out there. Just like, a proposal. You hit me right in the face. Just a proposal. All right, Alex, uh, what about you as a purveyor of beauty? Oh, wow. What do you think? Well, you're going to hate me, Case. Uh-oh. The, quote, beauty of this tree, the wood. Yeah. The sort of big standout, you know. We ended our ID section with the wood. Yeah, that is true. How man. often does that happen? I don't think it's ever happened, actually. There you go. Mm. I think it's it's fine. Oh. I'm not totally att- attracted to the wood. Okay. It's got this 90s kind of maroon red that I don't <laughs> love, you know? Yeah, it's actually, it's this is the Maroon 5 inspiration tree. <laughs> it's the color that reminds me of like... Um, Early 2000s kitchen floor renovation. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't. I I don't know. I don't know how to process. Remember that. in the early 2000s, everybody's mom was getting their kitchen redone. Okay, it was like this big family thing. Like we're getting a, our kitchen redone. You know, all new appliances and flooring and cabinets and countertops. Right, yeah, marble yeah. countertops. I feel like Jara color wood. Oh, was was big. All right, I think I know what you mean. Like kind of a very rich, woody, dark, but not like too dark. But kind pretty of, red. But too. very red. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so, I guess I know what you're talking that's about. That's sort of what it triggers in me, which so, is not great for it. Yeah, this is like, ooh, oh, Jara. We're, we're really sorry, but you remind us of you're, home, uh, home Depot remodels from mid-2000s. Laminate flooring. A little tacky, Jara. A little tacky. Um, Take yourself seriously, why don't you? <laughs> All the rest, though, big fan. Mm. Uh, I, I, love, I love eucalypts. In general, Mm -hmm. I love the wildlife that relies on them. Um, I love... I love the size of this tree as, as in terms of a eucalypt. Eucalypts in general are a lot bigger than I imagined. Yeah. Every yeah. one I've learned about, it's been like, wow, that's impressive. Oh my gosh, yeah. One of these days, we just got to cover a, a, a molly. I think the fact that its root system is so 
extra is like really right. fun. Yeah, honestly, its roots are taller than most trees are. This is great. Isn't that funny? Um, yeah, I just I've also I I have a fondness for Australian trees. Case, mm. um, I think they're really special and unique. Uh, like a lot of Australian wildlife, I would say like most Australian wildlife, what the fuck is a kangaroo, huh? That thing's, that thing is weird. Yeah. It's very, it's very out there. Yes. So I'm going to land. I got to I got to do it. I'm going to say 8.7. 8.7. Golden cones of honor for okay. the Jera. Yeah. Honestly, when you started that, I was convinced you were going to go just straight down the toilet. Well, that would mean a 10 in Australia because they go the other way. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. All right. That's I, enough. <laughs> I, I, I thought that you were going to get get in and say, like, and yeah. uh, eh, the color's not that great. Yeah, sob story. Yeah, we're sorry. Yeah, 6.2. Sure. No, <laughs> I'm, I'm going I'm going the other way. All right. Nice. Okay. Yeah. 8.7 golden cones of honor for the Jera. There you are. I think every time we say it, we change our pronunciation. I think so. Yeah. That's just going to have to be it's, how it, it is. Yeah, we don't. Uh, we we it's a matter of course here at completely arbitrary uh, yeah. studios. We under no circumstances ask how do you pronounce this. Yeah, it's just not. It's not really a part of our research. It's not really, it's not really a thing we do. So yeah. <laughs> well, Casey. Speaking of things we do, that was our review of the Jera. Another thing we do is a game, and this one is brand new just for this episode. Exciting new game just for this episode. Wow. This one's called The Slang Game. The Slang Gang? The Slang Game. Oh, The Slang Gang. The Slang Game. Slang Game. Casey, here's how it works. I've got a list of Australian slang words. What? Where did you find these? Uh, I well, uh, Google. Oh, okay, all right, all right. From like the, I think um, the University of Victoria or something. Oh, okay. I thought for for a second it makes me think of like Urban Dictionary, and I'm no. like, ooh, what? No, the, no. What are these <laughs> slang terms, Alex? Australian specific sex positions. Let me loosen my tie here, <laughs> because everyone should know. Whenever we record, we're in suit and tie. I've got a list of five Australian slang words, Casey. I'm going to read you the word. Okay. Without knowing what it means, we are going to postulate what this slang might be slang for if it was a scientific term. Oh, okay. For like a tree thing, you mean? Or for just a scientific term, period. Like, uh, let's go, let's, because of the mat- the material, let's do tree stuff. Interesting choice. Okay. So like, what would this word be in the tree world? All right. After which... I will tell you what it actually means. All right. Let's do this, Alex. All right, Casey. Our first slang is Arvo. Arvo. A-R-V-O. Okay. So that's just a kind of fruit. That's that's pretty simple. Yeah. Oh, like a droop, a, a, poem, a poem, an, an Arvo. Arvo. Exactly. And it's specifically one that is a V-shape. Uh, when it dries, there's a, there's a, a film at the bottom. Oh, my God. And that film... As soon as it uh, it dries, you know it's a it's a de or it's a dehiscent fruit. Uh-huh. Uh, it's just a dry fruit. It's not dehiscent. It stays together. Uh, but as soon as it dries, that film on the bottom, I'm, I'm showing you upside down. Yes, it cracks. Uh, okay. You know, just as it gets very dry, and then it goes brittle. Okay. Yeah, and then it cracks open, and that's when all the seeds come out. See, that was way too specific not to be a real thing. It's certainly an arvo. <laughs> I think an arvo is uh, a type of arborist saw 
Oh, like, oh, we can't use a chainsaw. Can you go grab the Arvo from the truck? Ah, I feel like that makes it, it must be short for something. Right. Like maybe it's the name brand. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or Uh, or, uh, an Arvorescent. uh, Yeah, exactly. Why is the V in there? No one knows. (laughs) Yeah. Arvo. Yeah. But I I love that. Your fruit thing is is great. Thank you. Thank you, Alex. Uh, And you you came up with a so quick. It was very natural. (laughs) You're like, wait a second. Is he, does he know what this is? What's the slang term again? Oh my God. (laughs) Well, Casey, Arvo means afternoon. Oh, seriously. What are you doing this, Arvo? Oh my God. That's really? Although, I mean, I I guess, I guess in an Australian accent, it might be more like, Avo, like Arvo, like the R is a little softer. Oh, I like, see. Bo- like a Boston R. Gotcha. You know? you Avo. Yeah. Ah. Avo. Casey, here's another great one. All right. Bludger. Bludger. Bludger is the slang term. Yes. I think a bludger would be kind of like a burl, uh. but that is filled with water. Ooh. So this tree is covered. The, tree, the tree's base is covered in bludgers i see yeah it, uh they are sort of like camel's humps oh i see okay I like see. water reserves they fill with water and then they do they get bigger and smaller as they use the water um i think it's too woody to, ah, to get big, okay. bigger and smaller but the the level of water in that and it's kind of a when you cut into it it's sort of like a fibrous mash mm, so it's yeah. not like a tub of water yeah you know the, uh, like a water uh, balloon like, like maybe baobabs where like it's very they they there's like very spongy yeah or like a cactus yeah you okay. know gotcha uh which i think is how that works uh kind of yeah pretty um, much. yeah yeah so I, huh. I think it would just be like a big water like yeah. a camel hump a bludger yeah oh, there's a bunch of bludgers down there but that's even even bludger is uh, slang yeah, for this thing. You know? I see. Yeah, I like the idea of a bludger. That what I was thinking of. It's like a, a gall almost. Like it's a yeah. an insect comes or a disease gets on a leaf, and it's like, oh yeah, there's the, this tree has bludgers all over it. Right. Like why do we call it that? It's because it like the it turns the leaf red, so it looks like they're covered in red drops. Wow. Blood. <laughs> bludger. That's great, Case. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay, I gotta know what this is. I, I kind of want to guess. I feel like it's like a coffee. A coffee? Yeah. In oh, like, in interesting. In the real slang term. Oh, give me a bludger. Yeah, give me a bludger. 12-ounce bludger. Yeah. Uh, it is actually a lazy person. A lazy person! Get oh your my ass God. off the couch, you bludger. That is so, so good. <laughs> I love that. I gotta start using some of these terms. Yeah, I mean, I, I I love Australian slang. Yeah, okay. I watch a lot of Kath and Kim, which is an Australian mm, sitcom, and mm-hmm. they they are very slang heavy. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, you gotta you translate half of it, I'm sure. Uh, oh yeah, I love I love watching. I love watching foreign TV and then like Googling what everything they say means. <laughs> You're a strange guy, Alex. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> All right, Case. Yeah, what's our next? Dag. D A G. D A G. Yes, this can also be used as an adjective, as in daggy. Oh. D A G G Y. All right. The first so, thing I think of is just a spike. Like oh, there's, there's a there's a zag right there. Like on a um, like on an umbrella thorn. Yeah, an yeah, acacia. yeah. Honestly, like, I picture it as, uh, on specifically a stem. Like okay. uh, like you look at a tree and you get a little too close. And you're like, oh, geez, there's a there's a zag on that. Zag, z a g. Dag, d as in oh dog. God. Dag, yes. I still I still think the same thing. Okay. They're like, oh, there's a bunch of dags on that tree. Yeah, that like, tree's daggy. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, that's a very daggy tree. Right. Yeah, I, mean, I feel cool, Alex. <laughs> What do you think? <laughs> dag, 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 dag. I think dag might be like um, an, a, a, f- a fruit, like almost like how a wasp uh, pollinates and then like uh, 
uh, gives birth and dies inside a fig. Uh, yes. Like a dag might be a fruit that has has an insect living and dying in it. Oh. Like you would, you could eat these, but they're all dags. Oh, I get Almost you. Almost like dud or like lemon. Like yeah. the, these are, these are, these fruit are dags. Yeah. You don't want to eat those, but like those ones, those are good. Yeah. Ah. If you bite into one, it's like, oh my God, this, this fruit is daggy. That's horrifying. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Okay. Daggy. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, Casey, dag is, uh, or daggy is an adjective that means kind of like unfashionable or untrendy or kind of tacky looking. Oh, Like that really? outfit's really daggy. Like, oh, that's such a dag. Like, yeah, I don't know how you would use it. as a noun. Uh, maybe dag is the adjective oh, okay, also. Okay, yes, it's like, oh, that's so That's, that's so dag. So ah, yeah. uh, okay. Yeah. We'll have, I love that. We'll have to get consultation from our Australian uh, listeners. But, yes, please send it over. Um, but that's, a, that's a word they use a lot in Kath and Kim, daggy. Okay. Bit daggy. Uh, bit daggy. Ready for the next one, Case? I'm ready. Let's do it. Pash. P-A-S-H. Pash. Pash, to me, seems like a... Okay, I, what do you think it is? <laughs> uh, um, let's see. Well, well, what do you think it is? Well, let's say it at the same time. A I think it's a th- powdery where it's thing every- that comes <laughs> off of a... We were saying the same thing, Alex. Why'd you stop? Pash. I think, well, I heard what you were saying and I actually quite like it. Oh, okay, it's yeah. almost like a, a stomato bloom. Yeah. yeah or like, a, um, uh, it's like something that is like emitted from a tree, like almost like a oh. wound where there's like a, like you can get, it's called bacterial flux where it kind of goes and kind of sends out this kind of weird like substance that's kind of just generated by bacteria. Interesting. Kind of like weeps out of a tree. Like that, back, that, that, that liquid is called pash yeah but i specifically imagine it being more like a dry powder and being a light whitish kind of gray color wow and you like get it on your clothes you don't even realize it you get home and you're like oh my god i've got pash all over me covered yeah it comes out in the wash but let me tell you uh some a little bit of context for this slang in real life yeah there's a there's a there's a, a sub slang pash rash oh Okay, yeah. So I think this also works with yours. Yeah. Because this stuff could get on your skin and later you're you've got a, got hives, you got pash, pash rash. rash. Oh god. I love it, Casey. Can Gross. I go with that too? Sure. I don't think you should though. Okay, I'll think of one. I think pash would be like in fa- in autumn, the leaves fall. Yeah. And they create kind of like this sludgy, you know, uh oh. slippery kind of uh, like, decaying yeah. sludge, right? Oh, I got you. Yeah. So that's I would say that's pash. Yeah, oh, like, it's, it's very pash. The street like, the street out it's the streets covered in pash. Don't go playing. The streets oh, covered yeah. in pash. Yeah, we got to wait till the street cleaners come. Yeah, yeah. The grass is good though. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Okay, yeah. I like that. And then yeah. if you slip in that and you get it all over your skin cuz you because it's like rash. decaying matter, like uh, you get kind of like a pash rash. Gross. Well, Casey, yeah. This is a fun one. Okay. A pash here, I'll give you another slang, is a snog. Do you know what a snog is? God, no, I, I don't. It's uh, British slang for this <laughs> for what this is. A makeout session. Oh, jeez. You, you, you have a snog and you have a pash. Oh, you have a snog, you have a pash, you get a pash rash, you go to the doctor, doctor says your pash rash isn't going to go away, you should have checked before you had a nog with this person. <laughs> nog. A nog snog is where you drink a bunch of eggnog and make out with your partner. <laughs> it's yeah, it's where you baby bird the nog into Jesus them, Christ. and then you snog afterwards. Casey, that's incredibly vile. <laughs> 
So a pass rash is like, uh, you know, if you make out with somebody with like some stubble, uh, okay. you kind of get like rat around your... Gotcha. You know. I was imagining like a hickey. Also. Oh, yeah, sure. Gross. I think it might also be that case. Oh, this is this is good fun. We got this, one more. Okay, let's do it. Grouse. Grouse. It's a kind of bird. R- uh, yes. Okay. But this it also has uh, slang connotations. Ah, okay. G-R-O-U-S-E. Grouse. Huh. Okay. Okay, well, I, I my first instinct is that grouse is um, sort of a general term uh-huh. for like lichen-based epiphytes. Lichen-based epiphytes. Like okay. a lot of the trees out there, you're going to find some really beautiful grouse. Oh, you know? I see. Or, okay. it, or I can also see grouse being a name for a collection of trees in the same way that like, ah, a, like a grove. Cops or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like there's a grouse of uh, big leaf maple out there. Oh, yeah. Just go right over there. There's the, That's where the grouse is. Yeah. yeah it's very yeah. confusing in North America where grouse is a bird. So yes. Go find the grouse in the grouse. <laughs> yeah. It'd be hard. The grouse live in the grouse. Yeah. Duh. As they do. Uh, as a grouse's want to live. <laughs> oh, shoot. Okay. What would this be for me? I say so grouse, grouse, grouse. I'm going to go with an adjective. Okay. So one is being grousy. I see. So if a tree is being grousy, I think it's growing in a not tree form. Oh, wow. Like, oh, it's a very grousy tree. Like it's not doing a, it's not being a good tree. It's being kind of a shrubby tree. Sure. It's being a bit grousy. Right oh, now. grouse you know? is like, is like a derogatory slang for a tree that's growing like a shrub. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just a grouse. You're being a little grousy. Yeah. Have a snack. You're a little grousy. <laughs> yeah. Here's a Snickers. <laughs> Casey, grouse means great or terrific. It or does. Awesome. Oh, yeah. okay. Nice. So it's exact opposite of what yeah, I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you wow. go. Oh, I want to know how many people are just going to be tickled by that or be like, oh my God, don't ever do that again. You guys made yourself look like idiots. <laughs> I'm going to say 50-50. Yeah. That's what we shoot for. That's Maybe right. If we can get it up to 70%. We're doing great. <laughs> that was the slang game. Thanks slang for game. joining us on that fun little slang journey. It's time for our completely arbitrary Q&A. Casey. What do we got today? Alex, open that mailbag. We got to get a mailbag uh, jingle. God, I'd love that. We We talked about that early on. We just never did it. Oh, my Mm -hmm. God. Oh, shit. Yeah, we should do that. Casey, this week, our question, of course, is from the Patreon. If you have a question for us that you'd like to get on the mainline episode, patreon.com slash arbitrary pod. But this one, Casey, is from Caribou. Hey, Caribou. Caribou's name is uh, parenthesized in question marks. Huh. Well... I don't know what that's about. Uh, this might be from Caribou, I guess. Yeah, it might. Maybe it's not even Caribou. Maybe it's Elk. Casey and Alex. <laughs> maybe it's Elk. I recently was out in Joshua Tree National Park. Hey, lovely park. And as I was sauntering about the rocks, I came across a tree that perplexed me. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It was a conifer and had all the makings of some sort of pine. Hmm. But these needles didn't come in fascicles, Casey. There were single needles. All along the branch. Uh-huh. Interesting. After some digging, I learned that it was a single leaf pinion pine. I was wondering if there are other trees out there that go against their most common identifying factors. Great. Thank you. Love you both. We love you back, Caribou. Uh, love you back, Caribou. Casey, this is a really good question. It is a really good question. I was drawn toward it because I'm like, oh, yeah. I, I feel like we run into a lot of trees that you'll say... Yeah, all all of the trees in this genus have this or this. 
Yes. And then there will be like an exception to the rule. It's always an exception. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what are some other exceptions to the rule when it comes to ID characteristics among genre? Yeah. Okay. Among genre. Or family or like, you know. Yeah. A, okay. A casual type, you know, type. Yeah. I think, uh, I think that's a very good question. It's a very good th- kind of thing to consider. The So this happens kind of um, all over the place in different things. I could probably not even like scratch the surface of trees that I'm not familiar with um, because I whenever I teach a tree ID course, I always tell people, you're always going to find this on this tree except for one exception. And I never talk about that exception sure. because it just, you know, it, spending any time on the exception ruins your kind of, you know, your ruleness mm, to it. Interesting, so, Casey. At least this is how I teach tree ID. And, uh, but I always make that same note that like he says, like it's, it's always like this, but there's always an exception to the rule. Like nature does not have rules. So there's always going to be an exception. We humans love a rule though. Yeah. Makes everything easy to organize for sure. So in, in this case, um, there are, there are lots of plants that do this. I think of oaks and some maples and, um, the, in this case, the pinion pine, in fact, Mm -hmm. most pinions do this. There is, so this is the single leaf pinion pine, pinus monophylla. Okay. And what's fun about pinus monophylla is that it has just one needle, but if you look at all the other needles in either the kind of the peri subgroup, which is all the ones that are the the pinion, so that's the peri pinion, um, the Mexican pinion, border pinion, you know, there's a couple different things. Pinus edulis, the edulis, you know, yeah. kind of normal pinion, the, the the big one that we always think of. The pine nut pinion. Yeah, exactly. So those all have needles mostly in two, but the peri pine has them in four hmm. which really throws you off because that's even unique among pines exactly because usually we're talking pines needles come in fascicles or little bundles yeah of two three or five precisely which is kind of your broad strokes classification exactly but then there's the arizona pine that comes in four as well hmm. and a lot of people are like well this is just a ponderosa pine but then everyone's like but it like consistently always has four needles. Right. That that's significantly different. So they're they're thinking, eh, is this a species? Is it not a species? Of course, because it has a cone, I split it. It's a species for sure, bro. Oh, you want those? Co- I want, want those cones. You yeah. Want a, you want that cell in your spreadsheet filled exactly. in? Exactly. You got it. So the pinions do this. A lot of pines do it. But then like some oaks, like uh, you think of an oak with like those classic like oak lobes on the side. You think of of a maple that has that palmately veined leaf. Right. But there are some maples that are, they look more like ashes where they have kind of a long mid uh, rachis with pinnately compound leaves or leaflets coming off. Hmm. So uh, the box elder is a good example or the paperbark maple. So it seems like these little one-off discrepancies can be found in a lot of different yeah. places in the tree world. Yeah, pretty much everywhere. I want, I'm wondering also, what is it? it rose, the rose family yeah. flowers have what five of everything. Yeah, that's their that's their mode. I wonder if anything in the rose family has like six. Yeah, just or four for some or three. reason. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I would have we'd have to dive in, but I'm sure that we could find an example yeah. in identifying or or classifying something the rule is great because it helps you like say okay we've made this rule and we can like use that to define everything right but then when you see the exception to the rule it's almost just as easy because 
Oh. It's the exception. Right. So you're like, oh, this is that one thing that has that one thing. That's this. Yeah. You know? And and the rule covers what ninety nine percent of use cases. Yeah, exactly. But with the pines, I should go back to this. If you take all of their needles mm-hmm. and you um you kind of hold them at the base where the the bundle is, and you like pull them all up together and kind of like they're all kind of flung apart that's right and you pull them all together and like hold them all like directly laying in a very straight line Mm -hmm. they're actually kind of triangular in cross section you remember on what game was that uh board game yes uh trivial pursuit you had those little characters and you put in those little triangle slices little pieces of pie yeah, yeah that's kind of like what the cross section oh, totally. of, of they, what pines look like great or their visual representation yeah so you put all those little cross sections together and boom you got yourself a uh, a full circle yeah it's kind of what happens with this so it's really that the single leaf pinion just has fused back together wow yeah. or never broke apart or never broke apart. Who knows? Yeah. Right. That's a, such a good question. Yeah. It actually is so common that it's upsetting. Thanks, Caribou, for your question. If you've got a question for us, as I said, go ahead and join the Patreon, patreon.com slash arbitrary pod. If you're new to us or new to the idea of Patreon, it is a subscription service like a Netflix or like a Hulu or like an Amazon Prime. But... Your money doesn't go to a mega corporation. It goes to Casey and I, and you get bonus uh, material, bonus episodes. You can even join the Cone of the Month Club, which is our favorite tier for 10 bucks a month, and get a unique die-cut cone sticker, conifer cone sticker, illustrated by an independent artist every month, a different independent artist, a bunch of different styles, a bunch of different species. We get them printed on stickers here in Portland. We send them to you in the mailbox. Right. little info card that tells you about that species. It's really fun. Uh, we have a lot of people telling us it's something they look forward to every month. And I how, look forward to it every month. Hey, I mean, how many things in life are like that, Casey? Yeah, that's a good point, Alex. You know? Yeah, just, really well done. Above that is Arbitrary Plus, our live stream tier. I just streamed two days ago the game Terra Nil which is a habitat restoration game. Casey and I also have one live stream a month, and then you get one game stream with me. If you you can't make any of them, so you think, oh, what's the point of joining? They're all on demand on our Patreon page. You can go back and watch any of them. We've had some really great talks, and we will continue to have many great talks in the future. Yes, we sure will. Above that, you could, of course, join Generous Admission, which Mm. you just want to give as much as you can and support the show. We're absolutely grateful for all of that um but anyway you want to interact with us we are so happy for so you can follow us on instagram you can jump on the patreon at whatever level you feel best you can send us an email uh or you know what you can just give us a listen and tell your friends that's right and we also casey we even have a facebook now that we upkeep regularly that's right you can find us on youtube man we've made (laughs) strides by we i mean alex I've been trying to write things, and Alex is like, I will put us on the internet everywhere. Well, we'll see if it yeah, works. Yeah, we'll see if it works. Anyway, we are we are wherever you are, and we would love to share that space. I love that, Case. And I love you for listening. <laughs> Please we, marry me. We, we both love you. We, <laughs> we really want to take this to the next level. <laughs> so please um, by the next level we mean the uh, the cone of the month club yeah we do we do that some people call it a tier we call it a level <laughs> we call it a level we uh, it's a it's a bit inside <laughs> thank you so much for listening to this episode of completely arbitrary Casey and I 
uh, from Casey Clapp, I'm Alex Croson. We will see you next time. <laughs> and for Alex Croson, I'm completely arbitrary. <laughs> Bye-bye. Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Our artwork is by Jillian Barthold, and our music is by Aves and the Mini Vandals. And you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. And find additional readings at completelyarbitrary.com. Thanks for listening.